around and disregard it So if you walk the ground, show you what heart is Standing strong, I'm proud of it, and I guess Let's get started, it's the hardest Talk around and disregard it So if you walk the ground, show you what heart is Standing strong, I'm proud of it, and I guess Let's get started yeah, get your boots ready. We're about to go on a trip where we wrestle nobody settling or calling it quits. You're here for the grip, betcha this stuff is amazing. You're stumbling, welcome to the bump in the apron. Step into it, the hardest part of the ring. Here to bring fun, yeah, in this art he is king. It's the best thing, making sure you don't tap out. Don't go soft with the hardest podcast out. And it's not just another one, it's clear. Off the rest, in this content, none can test. Take the nonsense off the steps. You know it's nothing but pure gems when it's coming off the chest. Get it? Now, it's time to sit and relax. Get your mind blown away, ain't no skipping this track. Have you paying more attention, no listening gap. Get everything I ever wanted, no giving it back. Yeah. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Apron Bump Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle, a.k.a. the hardest part of the ring. And, uh, man, oh, man. We're back in Philly for this one, folks. ECW, enter the Sandman, 1995. I mean, well, I don't know why they called this show the way... the. Uh, <clears throat> take two, take two. I don't know why they titled the show uh, what they did. Maybe because uh, half the show is Sandman's entrance? <laughs> It's a long entrance, folks. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about it later. It's a long entrance. Enter the Sandman. Metallica. Uh, where are we at here? Uh, but speaking of long entrances, it has been a long uh, half of the year of 1995, huh, folks? Between WWF, WCW, ECW. We're approaching uh, the, the halfway point. Of 1995, this show taking place May 13th of 95, and uh, shout no man, WWF is kind of an idol at this point. They're kind of just fussing around with Diesel as champion, Bret Hart's lollygagging in the mid card, and speaking of lollygagging, that's pretty much all WCW has been doing so far. I mean, fuck me in the ass. Has Hogan defended his title yet? Maybe like once or twice. We're in May, June. Him and Vader have just been pulling each other's puds for God knows how long. And now we got DDP and fucking Dave Sullivan arm wrestling on pay-per-views. Like, what are we doing over there, folks? Huh? Atlanta? You guys okay down there? No, you're not. But ECW, because that's what we're here to talk about after all. ECW is at least, you know, making some moves. You may, you may like them. You may not like them. And we talk about things we like and dislike about the show. But they're at least kind of making strides towards establishing their identity. I mean, they're they're doing work at uh, solidifying Sandman at the top of the card as champion. He definitely comes off as a, uh, well, I don't want to say he comes off as a star. But I guess in the context of Philly, I guess Philly sees him as a star at this point, or is at least starting to. You got Taz, three letters, one dangerous man or whatever they said in the show that they're they're starting to rip away the Tasmaniac gimmick away from him and starting to kind of lean into his you know legitimate 
MMA shoot fighting credentials. So that's a step in the right direction. Plus, it seems like every show that we cover here, we get at least one or two debuts, major debuts. And this one is no exception. We get two major debuts on this show. One being Luna Vachon, who uh, makes her mark on ECW. I don't believe she stays there very long, but we talk about it in the show. But she probably got the biggest reaction out of anybody on this card. And uh, sets up a uh, sets herself up as a big fixture on the whole Raven, Tommy Dreamer, Beulah McGillicuddy, that whole deal. Uh, but also on this show, we get arguably the best heel that ECW would ever see. That being Bill Alfonso. That's right. Fonzie making his debut on this show in such a Fonzie way. So all these pieces are kind of starting to get put together for ECW, which is good, which is good. It's starting to kind of look like the ECW that I uh, that I picture in my head, at least, because this is all uh, first time I'm watching these shows. So fresh eyes, fresh eyes. But if you like this kind of episode, if you like this kind of show, this kind of topic, go to apronbump.com or my YouTube channel, Apron Bump, and you can find all my full episodes. If you go to my website, you can go to the Episodes tab and select Wrestling Wars of the 90s. And that'll bring you all of the WWF, WCW, and ECW reviews that I have done so far. Spanning back to WrestleMania 10, all the way chronologically up to this point, roughly a year later, of all three promotions and how all of them have kind of evolved since then. It's been really interesting and really fun. Kind of put myself in a time machine and kind of relive this whole era kind of ramping up to one of the best eras in wrestling. So, but as far as this show, I mean, I think my guest puts it beautifully. It's, it's an ECW time capsule and it gives you all of the goodness that you would expect from ECW. And I know, I know you're sitting there and you're probably asking, you're probably like, Hey, Hey, hardest part of the ring. Please tell me we get another Ian Rotten versus Axel Rotten match on this show. And I will tell you that we certainly do. And I will tell you that it is <laughs> no, no fucking different than all of the other ones. But uh, man, the crowd, the Philly crowd seems to love it for whatever fucking reason. So while you have that mindless blood and violence, you also get a rematch between Eddie Guerrero and Dean Malenko, which is fantastic. You get the beautiful chaos of the pit bulls versus the public enemy in a double dog collar match. You get hack Myers. You get, you get the Hitman is here. Oh, this, this show has it all folks. Like I said, it's definitely a, uh, a microcosm of what ECW is. Is that how you use microcosm? Probably not. Uh, but speaking of microcosm, my guest is a microcosm himself. Mr. Warren Hayes. From the Mr. Warren Hayes Show joins me today. Awesome guest. Had such a good time with Warren. Sliding back to 1995. I mean, this show, I'm telling you, this show, it felt like you were just sitting in 1995 watching this show at 2 a.m. on a 10-inch TV sitting on top of a couple boxes of pizza. You know, it felt like you're there, right? And Warren had never seen this show either. So we had a couple of pairs of eyes watching this for the first time. 
And uh, he has a lot of opinions <laughs> on ECD. He doesn't like Sandman. Warren doesn't seem to like Sandman, which I take umbrage. Don't worry, folks. I, I defend the man of sand on this show. But um, yes, Warren joins me. Check out his show on YouTube. The Mr. Warren Hayes Show. It's a live show. It has a live chat. Of course, such a good time. As always, runs down the week of wrestling, all the major headlines and scuttlebutt in this in this crazy world of wrestling. Go check him out on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, check out Bell to Bells, which Warren is a contributor of. You can find it at belltobells.com. I'll put the link in the description. They do a great job at covering women's wrestling, women's wrestling news, interviews with those within the women's wrestling world. Really, really unique setup over there. Really good content always by Warren. So go check that out. Follow him at Mr. Warren Hayes on Twitter as well. Let's get right into it, baby. ECW, Enter the Sandman 1995 with myself and Mr. Warren Hayes from the Mr. Warren Hayes Show. There's a lot of stuff being set up that I'm like, oh, I see where this is going kind of thing. But uh, no, it was the first time I actually watched it. So fresh pair of eyes. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, ECW, were you, uh, did you watch ECW live as it was happening? Uh, no, no, I did not. Mm -hmm. uh, being up in Canada, uh, in my neck of the woods, it was very, very difficult to get access to uh, mm. even to WCW at some uh, at some times, we were very very much a uh, WWF area. So right. everything that I picked up in regards to ECW, uh, I really got it off the message boards and yeah, the the, the chat rooms and RSPW and so on and so forth. Mm. That's how I kept up with ECW. Right. Yeah. As a kid, because I mean, at the time this show happened, I was uh, I think two years old. So uh <laughs> can't say that I, I watched this one live, but uh I would have been twenty-one. Wow, really? Yes. You're very youthful. You have a very youthful face. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, man, so yeah, enter Sam. I I've never seen the show either. I haven't really seen any of these shows other than the ones that I've covered, but it's um it's very clear that they're like still because they have just recently rebranded to extreme championship wrestling mm -hmm. a couple months ago, I guess four or five months ago or so. So they're still yep. kind of working the kinks out a little bit and still kind of establishing certain guys, but um, they're starting to figure out what their identity would be going forward. As you can tell in like the rotten match and other matches on this show. Uh, yeah. Uh, the, um, I, I, if, if memory serves me right and I could be wrong here, I, I it was in 95 that Todd Gordon actually sold ECW to Paul, Paul Heyman. Right. And I don't know if it was I don't know if it what if it had happened like at this moment. Like I don't know if when this pay-per-view was held, if the transaction had already gone through kind of thing. Yeah. Or if it had happened a little later. But, you know, Todd Gordon would still be around. Paul would keep him around as as on-air talent, and I think he'd help him out with production and stuff. Right. I think Todd just wanted to unload it because because of the split, right? Because he just didn't want to carry that anymore. Right. Yeah, and Todd Gordon makes an appearance on this show, and he's, mm -hmm. at least in character, he, he owns ECW. But yeah. like you said, it could be just a character or whatever the case. In, in fact... That leads me to believe that he's not really the owner because I feel like 
I don't know. He was so like animated about everything that it's almost like he's he's free to do it because he's not actually the owner. But he's had he's had an on camera pers- persona previously though. On has he? Uh, yes, even even when they were still part of the NWA, um, he was always like in little embroiled in little feuds with uh, with Paul and other manager types. You know, so yeah. Gotcha. I, was, I wasn't I wasn't too surprised to see him there. I'm just wondering, like I don't know specifically when if the transaction if the sale had already gone through or not right yeah okay yeah it's interesting because this is the first time he's appeared on screen uh since they rebranded to extreme so oh there you go um, okay but yeah good to know good to know but uh yeah inter sandman it is uh it's classic ecw man i mean it's uh at no point watching this so you're like is this ecw like it, it's very clearly like <laughs> it's all all the beautiful tropes are included Including the shit production value. Ooh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> did you, by the way, did you, did you watch it on the link I sent or Peacock? I did both, actually. I did right. both. So, so like when something would happen on Peacock, or at least I, I still have the WWE Network, excuse me. Oh, you go, damn Canadians. Go Canada. Yeah, uh, get everything. <laughs> we we got to have some perks. Uh, you get healthcare and you get WWE Network. There you go. That's all we need. <laughs> We're cool. Um, whenever something weird would happen, like on the network. Yeah. You know, or when they blur that guy's sign out on the WWE network. Mm. You, you know what guy I'm talking about, the guy in the front row. Uh-huh. You, you know. Uh then I I'd just pop on to uh onto uh, a not, the the uncensored version that you uh, that you had for me and uh checked yeah. it out just to make sure I wasn't missing anything. Yeah, I, I like kind of tried each one for a second at least to see like the quality difference and it didn't seem to be that significant of a of it's a difference. Wild. Like, especially at the, um, during the main event, you know how the tape gets, the tape quality gets really bad. You start seeing the tracking and yeah, you, know, yeah. the, you, you actually see the tape starting to mess up. I'm like, okay, I'm on the network right now. Like I'm on right. WWE's thing. So like the originals have to be shit. Right. <laughs> you know, they really have to be awful. Yeah. If this is the best they can find. For exactly. Sure. Yeah, and there's a lot of like promos on the show where it's like, okay, I think I know what you're saying, but I'm not totally sure. <laughs> that's a hallmark of early ECW, though. Yeah. That's really the thing. It's like you know they were just slapping things together and trying stuff out. God bless them for doing it. Look, there's you know there's indie shows these days that pretty yeah. much the same too. You know where you're like, what? What? Or it's like you know they're, they're the the that's the thing you know that's most of the time when you watch an, a live stream of an indie show it's the audio that will always screw up right yeah that's mostly the thing so you know you're watching ECW back in the day you're like uh, okay yes yes yeah cuz I'm also watching like there. like mid 2010s progress wrestling shows even the audio there's like yeah. can pick up every other word but the, exactly <laughs> um but it's classic ECW like you said it really puts you in the time of watching it in the 90s and nothing says classic ECW like Hack Myers versus Tony Stetson. I'm sorry, the hitman, Tony Stetson. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I mean, the obvious, I mean, is this a shot at Bret Hart or because it didn't seem like he wasn't like dressing like Bret Hart or anything. So I didn't seem like an obvious shot at him, but like I the hitman. <laughs> I don't remember Tony Stetson. Like legit, I pulled up Cage Match when he when he popped on the screen and was like, "Who is this guy?" I don't, I like I, I don't remember him. Do you remember I the don't. Broad Street Bullies? Was he a Broad Street Bully? I I'm ninety percent sure he was one half of the Broad Street Bullies. Okay, it's it's now <laughs> it's, it's it's on the internet. It's in the ether now, so it's true. So 
Um, <laughs> you can feel free to Google and correct me, but I'm pretty sure. You're right. Look yes. at that. That's some that's some crucial knowledge to have in the old noggin here. Yeah. So so does that make the match uh, better? No. Knowing that. <laughs> <laughs> it, no. It's um because the Broad Street Bullies were like basically Ever Rise, like EC, ECW yes. 95's version of Ever Rise. And I guess I don't know if they're broken up or if the other one's injured or whatever, but um he's here facing Hack Myers. And uh Hack Myers is a uh the man, Shaw. Interview. He's the Shaw, of course. The, the Shaw. Shaw, which is it's so weird watching these because I've never heard of Hack Myers before. Mm-hmm. You know, you hear of the Sandmans and the Sabus and all that when you think of ECW. Hack Myers isn't a guy that at least I don't hear him being brought up a lot. But in, in these early shows, dude is super over for <laughs> no reason. I think people just like chanting. That, but, well, yeah, well, yes, the ECW crowd did enjoy chanting quite a bit. But yeah. Hack Myers, that's it, man. He's just one of these guys from ECW that was just over in in this little microcosm mm-hmm. that was the, the 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 that was the ECW arena in Philly and just people went nuts for. You know, his gimmick was you know, he strikes a guy like he chops him and people go "sha!" That was the uh-huh. thing. It's cool. But you look at the guy wrestling and you're like he's he's not, you know, he's we're, you know, he's no he's no Dean Malenko. No. Not at all. He's not even you know, Sandman. No, you know, you're just, it's like, and I don't get like, I mean, this is part of the things that I don't quite get about ECW at the uh, back in the day, but like, he's not all that charismatic. His gimmick isn't necessarily, you know, very clear. Right. The Shaw thing, I have no idea where that comes from. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, but he was over. And isn't that all that's important? Ultimately, that's how you get your payday, right? Yeah, I suppose so. But yeah, in this match... I mean, people, the crowd weren't too into this match, although I guess why would they be? It, this, In my opinion, this match should have been a squash, but this was more so like a 50-50 kind of match. Mm-hmm. Um, other than the Shaw chance, which everybody loves, you know, the crowd's kind of sitting on their head. It's almost like this is a dark match, I think, because there's like a segment afterwards like, oh, we're kicking off the show now. But um, Hack Myers eventually wins with that stupid-ass face buster he does from the top. It's like a... Uh, it's like he's, he goes to the top rope, holds the guy's head who's standing on the mat and does like a pedigree-ish kind of face buster. It just mm-hmm. it looks it's very Hack Myers. Like all of his offense is like almost good, but not quite like he, I think he did like a running leg drop on the apron that he just felt like he tripped and just happened to land on him. But um, yeah, so Hack Myers wins, beats the hitman, Tony Stetson. And uh, yeah, we're off to the races with Hack Myers, I guess, huh? I guess so. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, you know, the ECW, like he, he worked a bit in WCW, if I remember correctly. I think he, he? you know he was used as an under guy, right? Uh, you know, enhancement talent. Um, tragic way to go, though. Forty-one years old, just a couple of years ago, five or six years ago, something like that. He, yeah, he went in for a brain operation, and he died due to complications to the operation. So that was. That's a yeah. really, really horrible way to go. That's very, very sad. No, yeah, you watch these ECW shows, and it's like watching a bunch of ghosts at some yeah. points. Mm-hmm. But it's ECW. And, you, and WCW too, man. Yeah, and WWF. I mean, <laughs> wrestling in general. All of them, yeah. <laughs> it's like these lives these guys lead. Oftentimes, it's like drugs, alcohol. But in the case of Hack Myers, it was, like you said, it was like complications with a brain surgery, which I'm sure was onset by 
the various chair shots and could be all that shit. But you know, yeah, again. But uh, I'm sure he'd be a star nowadays if he was still around. I'm sure he'd probably be getting some some extra bookings these days. He'd yeah. probably be living off uh, living off uh, the independence a little bit, being able to work some weekends for sure. As long as he can throw punches and get the crowd to chant Shah along with him. Because yeah, you, you know a... there'd probably some people who dig that back up and would be like super into it, even if it was ironic. Yeah, that'd yeah. get him some bookings. He'd end up like at a GCW show at some point. People right. would be just really happy <laughs> for him. And you know, yeah. it'd be good for him too. Much, much agreed. Much agreed. But uh, after that, speaking of ECW legends, we got the Oriental Connection <laughs> in a tag match. So we got... Hiroshi Itakura mm-hmm. and Subo Genjin versus 911 and the Tasmaniac, accompanied mm-hmm. by Paul E., of course. So this one is pretty much a squash. Um, yes. So we got Taz coming out here. It's kind of plays into something that happens later in the show. But he comes out here. He has the, you know, the uh, the Fred Flintstone loincloth singlet deal and the, the the spaghetti hair and all that stuff he's still the tasmaniac although he's starting to transition into taz mm-hmm. um and i guess that'll be further solidified later in the show but he's out here still as that i guess uh savage from tasmania gimmick that he's he's doing uh but still you know suplexing the shit out of people dropping he draw he, he basically the match starts and taz i'm sorry the tasmaniac Tells 911 to get off the apron. I guess he doesn't need them. Uh, Taz goes in there. He just dumps both these guys on their heads with various suplexes and even hits a double belly to belly suplex on both of them at the mm-hmm. same time, which is crazy because it didn't seem like those guys helped him at all. He's just that low center of gravity is, is amazing, man. But um, does all that. Then finally tags in 911, who gives uh, the Orientals. I'm sorry, that's probably a bad way to phrase it. That gives the Oriental connection. There you go. Nobody clipped that. (laughs) I'm 30% Asian. I can get away with it. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So 911 gets in there. He gives them, you know, the 911 deal. Chokeslams everybody. Uh, This is like, this is like before the art of a chokeslam was like a thing, I feel like. Because it seemed like when 911 chokeslams somebody, it's like how a chokeslam would go if it was in a shoot. Like if you just walked up to the street and tried to choke slam somebody, that's what it looks like when nine one one tries to choke slam mm-hmm. these guys. But it's effective, I guess. Well, even the guys, even the guys now, right? They, you know, they'll they'll put their hand down and press up on the dude's shoulder, right? You know, just to get a little more elevation. Because mm-hmm. you know, I don't, you know, I don't care how strong you are. It's really rough to lift another human being and extend them, you know, yeah, like that, just with one hand, just holding their neck. You know, mm-hmm. the other guy has to bring in some support for sure. Yeah, exactly. Nine one one found that out uh, real quick, <laughs> but uh, yeah. So nine one one and Taz get the win. There's a kill the queer sign in the front row. Any other thoughts? <laughs> uh, outside of the sign, yes, absolutely. Nine one one. When we're talking about again, like ECW, th- you know, things that just existed in that realm. Nine one one being this this monster who just run in, just do yeah. stuff, kill everyone, and then leave. And he was super, but. As opposed to, let's say, eh, Tony Stetson or <laughs> Hack Myers, I get uh, why 911 was over. Because yeah. he was really well pushed. And when he'd arrive, 
you'd be like, oh, everyone here is in trouble. That was mm-hmm. that was because that was essentially the the extent of his career coming in, choke slamming dudes and leaving, going to the pay window. That's ex- yep. that's basically what he was doing. And um, well, we'll talk about Taz a little later on, right? A little more. Oh yeah, right? you mean you mean Peter Peter Sinurcha? Peter Sinurcha? <laughs> of course. <laughs> uh, yes, yes. But it it was it, it was still interesting to it was it was it was nice to see Taz in his old getup again. Yeah, hopefully, uh, hopefully one of the last times because it, it is probably a, uh, was. That says something. That is a choice. <laughs> Guess not. <laughs> of all the choices made on this show, maybe not one of the worst, but um, maybe. But after that, speaking of bad choices, so we got a barbed wire baseball bat and barbed wire chair match. Ian Rotten versus Axel Rotten. You you familiar with this this storied rivalry? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's. It's good shit, right? Do you have any particular favorites out of their matches? No. They're just all- <laughs> <laughs> I hate the Rottens. I don't. I I, I look here. The, like, what was this match? Like, to me, this is a quintessential Ian Axel Rotten match. What we got mm-hmm. right here. Yep. Nothing going on. Guys just sauntering around the building and driving bar- barbed wire into each other. I'm going to I'm going to preface this maybe a little bit. I'm not a death match guy. Like I'm not someone who actively goes after death matches. And I know there's a huge um, there's a huge community who loves death match wrestling. And I'm cool with that. And I'm cool with wrestlers doing it. That's not the point. It's like, you know, it's something that's something that I don't necessarily enjoy when I see guys like. Uh, when I watch matches, I should say, like Nick Gage's matches, right? Where mm-hmm. I'm like, I, this has a little something extra. This has a little, there's a little, there's a little something more to it. A lot of it hangs on Nick Gage's, you know, right. oddball charisma to begin there's, with. There's a rhyme and reason to what he's doing in there. Exactly. And, yeah. and you know what you're getting into and he's invested and he's passionate about it. And there's still like, dare I say, effort put into right. it. Yep. Whereas when you see the Rottens just walk after each other, <laughs> yeah. you know, and they're just like, go, and he, you know, and you have Ian pushing the chair on Axel's arm and Axel's like, ow, ow. That's how he's selling, right? <laughs> ow, yeah. ow. Uh, I, I must have heard that audio or missed it. <laughs> <laughs> I like, and, and all through, all throughout ECW, I, I, the, you know, the Rottens are terrible. I don't mm-hmm. like what they do. I think even when it comes to deathmatch wrestling in and about itself, I think they suck. I, you know, I, I think they're, I, I don't think they've ever really done anything really interesting with the, uh-huh. uh, with their subgenre. As a, because don't forget at the meantime, you did have Mick Foley and Terry Funk mm-hmm. who yep. were, keeping that on a very, very high level while these guys, they're like, okay, let's just go out and bleed and we'll be good. Even like Sandman and Cactus Jack later in the show. Exactly. You know, yep. which ha- which was a lot more fun, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I wouldn't say it's match of the year or anything, but it was a lot more fun than than this, which was essentially a match to uh, satiate the, the the bloodlust of the ECW crowd. That, that's exactly it. it when, whenever... <laughs> These guys have matches and they have a match on literally every show. Mm-hmm. It's very much the same kind of deal. It's very much 
playing to the live crowd, not so much the viewing audience on VHS or whatever. And uh, it seems like the crowd there, the Philly savages in the crowd are pretty into it. Um, just blood splattering all over their bodies and of the crowd and various barbed wire and other weapons getting involved. Why did Axel hate Florida so much? You know that promo? He kind of, he's <laughs> like you- going off on Florida. I'm like, what's wrong, man? What's wrong with Florida? So I was very confused at this. I'm, I'm, I think... And this goes back to like the all shitty audio and you can't really understand what they're saying. <laughs> yeah. I, it seemed like maybe they did like a live event, like an untelevised event maybe in Florida. And, then and the crowd was- didn't like this type of match, which who would have thought, right? Um, but yeah, it doesn't seem uh, he, he has some he has some thoughts on Florida. I'll, ju- I'll just put it that yeah. way. Yeah. Yes. And very confusing. And I didn't understand why he was burying Florida in front of the Philly crowd. I, I didn't quite get it. Then it was like, you know, th- th- this is how my brain works. Then I'm like, I'm going back and I'm thinking, is there some kind of like sports rivalry between Pennsylvania and Florida? Are there like, you know, are there two teams, like two, maybe two college teams? That, and I'm like, no, I'm maybe. drawing a blank. I don't know. Like, I didn't understand at all what he was trying to do. I think in Philly, just any other state or, you know, <laughs> Philly just hates everyone. A bunch of homosexuals. Let's say that <laughs> everywhere else. <laughs> That's why they don't leave there. They, there you go. They, they're, they're, they stay there. They got their rottens. That, that's all. That's all these, these gentlemen. They, want. they just want the rottens. Yeah. They well, can I mean, keep them. So wait, hold on. Would you say that this match was rotten? Uh, yeah, for lack of a better term, yes. No, I don't think there is a better term, first of all. That said, I, I've heard a lot of good <laughs> things about uh, Axel Rotten, right? Axel is definitely, he seems the more competent one. He's definitely, the, he's the only guy that ever gets mic time, first of all. And it seems for good reason. Axel is actually, I don't think he really, you know, this show probably isn't a good example. But in, in past shows, he's had promos where he's like, he's definitely a, a step above a lot of the other guys in ECW mm-hmm. at this point. And I guess he's kind of supposed to be the baby face here. It's hard. Which, to, yeah, it's hard to say. And, and Ian, matter. these days, he's running IWA Mid-South, which, you know, oh, yeah, you hear a lot of good stuff about as well. You know, there's so I mean, you know, no, te- not necessarily te- talking about the, the just because we didn't like the match. And especially since I didn't like the, what they were doing doesn't mean that they're, you know, absolutely horrible right. humans who've never done anything else. You know, good for them. Um, yeah, and, and we're speaking, you know, with 2021 lenses watching at this the same match. Time, yes. This when this occurred, this is what the crowd wanted. This is how ECW is kind of differentiating themselves. And mm-hmm. like we said, they're, they're still working out the kinks, but I think they they kind of had a plan. It, it was kind of there's a reason for this kind of match. Um, but the finish, because I mean the match itself, it is what it is. It's like any other rotten match. Like you said, they just finish. Yes. Yeah, the finish is hilariously dumb. But you know, they're both pouring blood within a matter of seconds, you know, fighting through the crowd. Like you said, the barbed wire bat, barbed wire chair, you know, hitting each other with it, ripping it out of their bodies. All the usual mindless violence that you, you would see in these kind of matches. But the finish so Ian Rotten's a fucking idiot, apparently. So he places the barbed wire. So he has axles down. He's in the corner. Ian takes the barbed wire bat, puts it on top of Axel. And then Ian goes to the second rope to do some sort of like sit down splash. And my question to Mr. Ian Rotten is what is the best case scenario here that you land gooch first on this barbed wire baseball bat and 
then what? You just stay there and pin them? Like, you have you have barbed wire in your asshole now, but you want a match? Like, why is this your plan of attack? But, um... I'll tear out my taint. That'll probably be the best way to, to end the match. I don't get it either. Like, I don't... Like, that's the thing is that it led to the finish. It led to him losing. He does the splash, lands on the barbed wire, bat, and he goes, ah! He sells it, right? He's like, ah! Right. I can't do anything, so... Axel leads into the finish. So I'm like, I don't understand what his plan was. Yeah, then Axel hits a backdrop suplex onto the barbed wire chair. And then, uh, yeah, I mean, that's, I guess, if, if you're going to have a finish for a barbed wire baseball bat, barbed wire chair match, you might as well have it finished with a barbed wire bat and then a barbed wire chair. So, you know, it all makes sense to me. Congratulations to the Rottens for pulling... Uh like four wrestling moves in the match. Though. <laughs> Is that, I mean, that's, I think it's giving him, I think it's being a bit generous. <laughs> there was a backdrop suplex for the finish. So technically, yeah, exactly. You know, it's a classic, just like uh Carl Gotch would have wanted, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but man. So after that, we have a tag team match. So we got Mikey Whipwreck and Tommy dreamer versus Raven and Steve Richards. So this is all just for context that we're in the midst of the Tommy Dreamer Raven storyline that involves Beulah McGillicuddy, how Beulah was, uh, I think they described her as fat and ugly back in summer camp or whatever when they were kids. And now she's hot. So now they like her. So um, so that's the story. That's wrestling. And uh, so Mikey is teaming with Tommy and you have Steve is kind of in a flock kind of stable with Raven. So. But Steve Richards and Raven come out, but then Shane Douglas comes out for no reason. Uh, so Shane is uh, he's pissed that people care more about the weapons than the fists and boots. Um, so he brings out a troubleshooting referee mm-hmm. who is Bill Alfonso, which I believe this is his debut, correct? It could be. I, I can't say for sure, but we are definitely at the genesis of the one of the greatest heels in ecw history right yeah here. oh he's he's the perfect like smarmy like little guy that you want to break in half but just a little a weasel you know just yeah, like this weasel. little guy that you just want to ring his <laughs> neck he's perfect he, yeah exactly and uh so bill alfonso comes out and so again the audio's not the best so it's kind of hard to make out what's happening here but from what i from what i could tell it seems like bill alfonso is a ref appointed by the state of Pennsylvania. So for whatever reason, he has more power than Todd Gordon because Todd Gordon's in there. Like, who are you? This is my company. I am going to kick you out of here. And then Bill Alfonso is like, that's basically what I heard. (laughs) That's exactly uh, how he sounds like, (laughs) by the way. (laughs) Um, So Bill Alfonso is the referee here and he's out there to make sure that no rules are broken in extreme championship wrestling. (laughs) So the match gets underway. Tommy and Mikey, uh, they try to throw out Stevie Richards, or they do throw him out of of the ring. Dreamer tries to go to the outside to follow up, but the referee, Bill Alfonso, is like, no, 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 you stay in the ring. There's there's rules here. What do you think? This is some barbed wire show? No. No, no, no. No, We'll have none of these shenanigans. Like, I was half expecting someone to toss him over the top rope and then Fonzie call for the bell, you know? (laughs) I was half expecting that to happen at some point. Man, that should have happened now that you mentioned. I don't see why it wouldn't have. This is the era where that's happening. Fucking WCW, it's like every other match. Because he, he had the old school referee 
shirt yes. on with the little bow tie. You know, you had the other refs yeah. had the striped shirts, but he was like an old school MSG type right. uh, ref gear. He's about to so. call an Andre the Giant match yeah. out there or something. Yeah. Um, but Tommy and Mikey, they beat up Steve. Not Stevie, by the way. It's Steve Richards. Yeah. And uh, they beat him up for a little bit. But then Raven gets in and he's because you know how Raven is. He's very stoic when he's on the apron. No, no emotion. But then he gets tagged in, and all of a sudden he's super aggressive, hyper aggressive, just bumping all over the place, hitting all sorts of moves. Uh, Raven sets up Mikey on the top rope and tries to toss him to the outside onto the concrete. But Tommy Dreamer is there to catch him. Uh, so he throws Mikey back in, and Tommy gets the hot tag eventually. Tommy's just destroying everybody. Um, they fight to the outside eventually. Tommy, I believe, does like a top rope senton over the, <laughs> over the rope to the outside. Um, and there's a spot where Tommy gives Steve a DDT as Raven gives Mikey a DDT mm-hmm. on the outside, on the concrete. Um, so Tommy and Raven then start going at it. But then Tommy Dreamer throws a closed fist punch and gets disqualified <laughs> for the closed fist. Yeah. So, so good. The Bill Alfonso, Tommy, Tommy's obviously he's, he's irate because this is extreme championship wrestling. But Bill Alfonso is like, I'll shut this whole promotion down. And they're they're tussling. And then Shane Douglas is back. And then Cactus Jack comes out. This is, I don't know what's going on at this point. He Cactus Jack comes out and says to Shane, nobody wants you here. And then Cactus Jack and Shane Douglas have a pull apart. I don't know how this happened after <laughs> after this match, but lots of shenanigans happening in here. But uh, yeah, any other thoughts? Uh, no, this, you know, I like, this was actually a, a good, it's a good, you're going to have to give a lot of credit to Paul Heyman uh-huh. for understanding his audience, for having his finger on the pulse. Cause he knew a, how bad a guy like Fonzie would be received mm-hmm. and how just awful it would be. You know, you could see in the audience, right. When, when he calls for the disqualification after the punch. Yeah. There, you know, the you know the audience was like this because yeah it's Tommy and Raven they're going at it and then the audience like wait what what's going on you know and, the, yeah. and then they and and Joey Styles who himself you know he's like what's going on you know that's what he did right and then there'd be this long pause what's happening he's <laughs> <laughs> like he's confused too and then you get the decision and then everyone just like everyone starts losing their mind it was really really good stuff. Um, then you got Shane Douglas in there as well, who was, uh, um, he was back. So he, he was back from WWE cause his, or WWF at the time he was doing the Shane Douglas thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I believe he's just about to go back. He's about to WWF. go back. You're right. Yeah. Yes. Because at yes. the last show he actually, so after his match, he put on a Monday night raw shirt and then left through the crowd. And I thought that that was his last match, but apparently he has this whole deal. And I guess we're still not quite at Dean Douglas yet, but, uh, not, not quite <laughs> yet. Pretty oh, close. Oh, he would regret that. Um, um yeah, but yeah, yes. The, the, lots of stuff going on. I, I, I thought this was fun. Uh, you know, yeah. uh, Mikey Whipwreck was always a lot of fun to watch. He just didn't give a care about his body. Just threw himself all over the place. That, yeah. You know, he's always a highlight and, you know, Richards and and Ray, uh, uh, not Richards, uh, Dreamer and Raven, right? Mm-hmm. You know, it's the quintessential ECW feud, right? right? And 
these guys have such a, a fantastic history, you know, and had so many great matches on top of that as well, just fueled by this this rivalry mm-hmm. that ex, you know that extended. Like you know, I'm often comfortable in throwing it in with the likes of Flair Steamboat, you know, as far as great wrestling feuds go. I think yeah. Raven and Tommy Dreamer is right up there too. Yeah, especially in the context of where ECW is at this point. I mean, that was like their first like really good feud that propelled them to other feuds they would have in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, and ECW was uh, generally very good. At, you know, here, here's your barbed wire match. Here, here's your shenanigans. Here's your storyline stuff. And then now we have the great technical wrestling. Now you get your work rate match. Now, yes. you, now you make the nerds happy. Yeah. <laughs> a big nerdy buffet the ccw is yes and uh so we got the tv title on the line got the champion eddie guerrero versus dean malenko and uh for this match joey styles has a special guest commentator to join him <laughs> uh he's uh what were the accolades he's a judo champion a uh what, what, what were the other ones? Jiu-jitsu. I don't remember, but yes, yeah. he lists off. He lists off all his accolades and uh, Krav Maga, all this stuff. He's this this athlete, this world renowned athlete, Peter Sinertia. and uh, I don't know how widely known his his shoot name was back then. Probably As we not. sit here today, I think most people know that's his real name. Um, so I hear that, and I'm like, wait, what? Is this? I, I was confused. I was confused <laughs> as hell. I'm like, why is he? Why is he just not saying it's it's Taz? You know, it's, I don't under like, I didn't understand. Like we said, like I this is the first time I'm watching this show, so I don't know why yeah. why Peterson why is he making such a big deal? Just call him Taz. We know who Taz is, but then right, yeah, and then because I guess Taz at this point doesn't really talk at all, so. I guess if you're viewing this, maybe you don't recognize that that's Taz just by his voice. Of course. But it's it's like, it's hilariously similar. I mean, obviously, it's, it's the same guy. But oftentimes, you'll hear guys, they have different voices and like different decades of their career. But Taz here, he's pretty much the same guy that you hear on AEW today. So just, you know, I guess more subdued. He's, he talks like this. He's very. Yes, he's, yeah, I, you, you, you can tell he's not super comfortable at first, but as the right. match progresses, he's getting excited. Like, you can tell he's yes. getting a little more excited, so he's a little more invested in his color commentary. Yeah, and I like the idea of bringing in, because he's a legit, you know, MMA, yeah. whatever you want to say, and he's he's here to provide that extra depth to the analysis of this match, which, as we mentioned, is the, the work rate match. It's, it has a lot of technical holds and counters and stuff, so I like that kind of adds a layer to it, which is pretty cool. Well, it's kind of like what AEW was doing for a while with them, right? You remember when they'd have like Taz breaking down moves, yeah. you know, they'd have that, <laughs> those little segments, which I thought was really cool. So I'm like, yeah, you know, they were, you know, they clearly Taz was warming up for his, yep. for his AEW <laughs> gig. <laughs> yeah. And like you said, when he first starts, it's like, cause Joey Styles, he does this whole list of, you know, accolades and then he introduces them and Taz is like, all right, I'm here to do commentary and that's what I'm here to do. And it's like 20 seconds of dead air. It's like, okay, so what's going on here? Um, but uh, yeah, so the Eddie Guerrero versus Dean Malenko, by the way, is also happening and is a uh, tremendous match. They had a, uh, there's actually a rematch from the previous show mm-hmm. that was a time limit draw. And here, once again, time limit draw, 30 minutes. Uh, but in this case, there were a lot of cuts in this match. So I think, and watching it, it might have been only like 10, 15 yeah. minutes at the most. 
um, which is fine, I suppose, really just showing the highlights. I would have liked um, to seen the full 30, you know. I, I would prefer to see this more so than Axel versus Ian. Sure. <laughs> or Absolutely. Tony, the hitman Tony Stetson, probably. But, you know, <laughs> you got to get the hitman over, you know, so Apparently. can't really blame him for that. But, uh, yeah, from, <laughs> from what we saw of this match... Definitely a, a stark contrast from the previous matches. You have Dean hitting all these like really clean power bombs and all these submissions. You have Eddie Guerrero being Eddie Guerrero. I mean, he's at, there was no period in his career where he was not amazing. Like I don't think so. I don't think there, I don't think I don't think he's ever been bad. Just like you know, I don't think Arn Anderson has ever been young. <laughs> right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's you know you got a. Uh, Brain busters from Eddie. He goes to the frog splash, uh, but Dean gets his knees up. And it's at this point in the match where Joey says to Peter Sinercha that there's no love between you and Dean. So I was like, okay, is it canon that he's Taz or are we, is it like lead? But it leads to explaining that, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, Eddie in the ring rings the arm of Dean, r- runs up the top rope springboards into a hern can rana but lands like right on his forehead like right mm-hmm. scratches his face against the mat busts him open legit and uh and from what we know of eddie today that must have pissed him off so hard yeah he must have been really really mad yeah <laughs> you could kind of tell from yeah. him yeah he's like annoyed at the very least yes um because it's not meant to be the bloodbath match it's meant no, to be no. the scientific exactly um, but Eddie continues on. He hits a top rope Frankensteiner, followed by a splash mountain power bomb for a two count. Uh, but Dean fights back, kicks Eddie in the face. Uh, I'm sorry, he kicks out by kicking him in the face, which is a fun little like it's Dean and how like innovative he is. Like he didn't just get his shoulder up. He like had his feet up and just kacha right in the head. Uh, but Eddie locks in a figure four onto Dean Malenko. And then the bell rings. And then we have the time limit draw. Um, you know, it is what it is. You know, a time limit draw. But otherwise, what were your thoughts on this match? Ah, this match ruled. Are you kidding me? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you're, for sure. You're, you're, this is basically, this is, you know, Dean Malenko in his prime. Absolutely in his prime at this point. Um, Eddie, you would have thought Eddie would be in his prime, but I don't think he ever reached it. I don't think we ever saw uh, mm. just how far Eddie Guerrero could go because he just kept getting better and more polished. It was, yeah. he was ridiculous. It was a, a ridiculous wrestler, a guy who was made to do that. This was fantastic. I love the, I love the, uh, um, the, there, you know, there was this nice little sequence. I like me some chain wrestling when it's really well done. So, yeah. you know, Malenko has, he, he lifts up Eddie into a power, a pop-up power bomb, then rolls, a, rolls him over into a Boston crab, which Eddie rolls through, for a pin attempt, and then they do that. They go back and forth yeah. on each other, trying to cradle, uh, cradle uh, the other guy into a pin. I thought that was. I and Eddie was like good. cartwheels out of it, it's so smooth. And here's something real, you know. Sometimes you know, you know, we watch a lot of wrestling, and sometimes you pick up on these details. You know, yep. superplexes, right? The guys they go up on the turnbuckles and they set themselves up and they take their time, and I'm okay with that, right? Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. I'm not like throw yourselves off, boys. Like take your time, make sure everyone's safe, no one gets hurt, right? But you know, suplexes, superplexes, are usually there's a little setup to it. Eddie and Dean do one in this match, and it is like, you know, just 
Dean's up there. Eddie comes up, sets him up, puts him up on the top rope. Here yeah. we go, kind of thing. It's like, you know, not necessarily lightning fast, but just like, eh, let's do this. Right. And I'm like, just effortless. Just effortless. And Dean is right there. He's hitting all of his spots. What a great match. A fantastic, fantastic yeah. match. And like you said, Kyle, this is really important, I think, to point out. You know, ECW gets a lot of, uh, you know, ECW, everyone always, you know, has the blood and the, you know, the no DQ stuff, you know, the chair shots and all that. That's usually what you think of. But it's yeah. crazy how it was also this center for the best professional wrestling you could find in North America at the time. Like, just, you know, WWF wasn't doing the kind of matches, wasn't putting on the kind of matches, mm -hmm. uh, like... Uh, like Paul was doing with uh, with these two guys, you know, these guys would eventually go to EC to WCW, but you could even argue that they weren't having these types of matches in WCW as outside maybe the pay per views kind of thing, right? Yeah, um, and, and that's what I think that's ultimately what was so fantastic fantastic about the ECW formula it was kind of like come for the blood, but stay for the wrestling kind of thing. Yeah, you know, yeah, for sure, and we don't even have you know. Jericho and Rey Mysterio, super crazy. They they always had Masato Tanaka. Yes, you know yeah. it's like we're not even there yet. You know it's like it's crazy how how great of a legacy of excellent wrestling ECW mm -hmm. has left us with. Yeah, uh, and uh, it, you know despite the Ian and Axel Rottens, <laughs> <laughs> hey, it's something for everybody. I mean, I'm sure people exactly. Yeah, once we get to the Taipei Deathmatch, are, are you, are you familiar with that match, by the way? The Taipei Deathmatch? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, so mm -hmm. that was that was a good match at least, right? Yes, that that was fun. I agree. <laughs> it, was, it was blood. Lots <laughs> of blood. Uh, speaking of blood, we got the World Heavyweight title, ECW World Heavyweight title match. On the line in this next match, we got the champion Sandman versus Cactus Jack. So <laughs> it cracks me up, Sandman, his entrance, how just unnecessarily long it is. It's the, like, it's the song. It's because yes. of the song. That's the only reason. It everyone's plays the marking, entire song. Everyone's making is going crazy about it. Can I say, look, we were, I was talking about, you know, how I don't understand, you know, I didn't understand like Hack Myers, you know, like mm -hmm. I never understood Sandman. And I really like, yeah, because he's, he's not a good wrestler. He never was, right? Uh, he's not necessarily charismatic. Yeah, he has a cigarette, though, right? Well, here's the thing, right? How he, kooky. He comes to the ring, right, in a T-shirt, in the American flag sweats. He's got a cigarette. He's got a beer. He's got his woman. He's kind of like your dirty old uncle that you really like, right? Yes. So I think maybe that's the level of relatability, that mm -hmm. he had like that's the only thing that i can really clasp on because you know he's he's not particularly thrilling to watch he's I, not you know i i take umbrage with that i mean he's doing all sorts of lucha libre in this match <laughs> well, well, mm, mm -hmm. yeah that one <laughs> spot yeah sure <laughs> when he when he sort of launches his body into people sure that's him this entire First of all, he has two matches. Why is Sandman doing double duty on this show? I don't beyond know. Me. <laughs> this I don't is his know. first title defense. But in both of his matches, he's like weirdly like doing these like not springboards, but like, you know, propelling himself over the rope, 
over the barricades. I, I wouldn't call it a piscado because that would mean that no. he has technique. It was a piscado, huh? <laughs> All right. We're we having fun. Huh? <laughs> there you go. I like that. Hangman with the piscado. As a Sandman, excuse me. How dare you? How dare you? Not the same level. Um, but uh, yeah, so Sandman versus Cactus Jack. Uh, he's out there with his cigarette and all that, of course. Uh, Cactus Jack comes out. Sandman jump starts it with a baseball slide, and the brawling starts on the outside. And I also got to say, because I'm watching all these shows chronologically, and these two gentlemen had a, uh, what was it called? A Texas death match a few shows ago. That was atrocious. Like, I'm pretty sure Sandman was completely in the bag. Like, he didn't know what was going on. Uh, but this match here, he was at least, like, putting forth effort. So with the context of me watching that match kind of recently and watching this match, this match was so much better than that match. Um, so if you want to see a terrible match, watch uh, this match. I don't even know. Like, Double Tables, I think, was the show. Um, but this match here, like we said, Sandman just throwing his body at Cactus Jack um slingshots into the ring like he yeah. like slingshots and does like a karate kind of kick i guess i don't know it's not a drop kick no it's yeah I, I again if you try to put names on the moves that he's doing it implies that he has technique right. i think what he did is that he threw himself over the guardrail like off the apron over the guardrail right yeah and he just lifted his leg that's what he did hey he made it he cleared <laughs> he, it i mean it's wild right i mean that I'm looking at it and I'm like, you know, he's, it's, it's impressive because he's so, he's so bad, you know? <laughs> and you're like, what am I, he's just launching himself. There's no rhyme or reason to it. There's no finesse. It's not mm -hmm. elegant. It's freaking, it's your uncle throwing himself into the audience at a punk rock show. He's he's at a black flag <laughs> show and he's throwing himself into the mosh pit. That's what he's doing. Well, hey, devil's advocate. Maybe that adds uh, a sense of realism to it maybe it's not so polished that it looks like a choreographed kind of deal i'll tell you probably and it's probably again i think with what you're saying there i think it's something that's very uh, uh uh unique to the ecw arena and that probably explains why sandman was never able to get himself over mm -hmm. elsewhere you know, WCW or even freaking he wasn't in DNA for a while, too. You, you didn't like his uh, Singapore cane on a pole match against Carlito? No. <laughs> I don't know why I remember that match. I, think I it's don't like know why only, you like, remembered it either. That was like his one pay-per-view match, I think, in WWE. <laughs> That's probably why. Um, But yeah, so there's so we got Sandman, like you said, hurtling over the barricade. You know, he's like almost an athlete here. Um <laughs> Like that, that should be his moniker, Sandman, <laughs> almost an F, almost a superhero, Sandman, a, 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 huh? No, a, a, see, yes. there's a tie in with a, and you know, it could have been money, could have been money. Um, but I'll tell you what was not money was the spot where, uh, so Sandman throws a table into the ring. So Cactus is able to fight back. He kind of gets the advantage. So, uh, the table is, so he, he, Cactus Jack puts Sandman on the table. It's a flat table. It's not set up. And he picks up the table. So one end is on the rope and Jack is holding the other end of the table. So Jack, what does he do? Well, he just slides the table backwards onto the concrete. Um, Hangman, it's saying that Sandman falls head first. You know, 
it's re- it's wild. <laughs> I was just I kind of popped. I'm like, holy shit! Yeah, really? Okay, I'm going all out. All right, Mick. All right, that's fantastic. Yeah, you gotta do what you gotta do to win the contest. There you go. So, um, they are athletes after all. But then uh, Cactus Jack. So obviously, Sandman's pretty much dead on the concrete. Uh, Cactus Jack pulls barbed wire. I don't know out of his ass. I don't even know where he got this barbed wire. It, it was in a bucket. I don't know where it came from. It oh, was in course. a bucket. Of course. Who has a, a bucket of barbed wire? <laughs> you don't have a barbed wire bucket? I don't handy? know. I don't know. No, I don't. Well, you know, like, what I, happens if a burglar comes in and you need to hit an elbow off the apron? <laughs> Do you just have no barbed wire? First of all, I don't have an apron in my home to, oh, like, well, to, to jump off of for, uh, jump off of in the, for, you know, to start with. That's your first mistake. <laughs> I'll never be able to, never be able to chase off the burglars then. <laughs> Only soft apron. parts of the ring in your house. <laughs> um, but then, uh, so yeah, Jack, he wraps the barbed wire. It's just a loose strand of barbed wire. Wraps it around his forearm. Does the classic Cactus Jack elbow onto the concrete, onto Sandman. Um, you know, ranking it across his face. Throws Sandman back in the ring. Hits a DDT. Goes for the pin. But that goddamn Shane Douglas, we can't get away from him. Shane Douglas comes back out and puts Sandman's foot on the rope. I guess that breaks the pin. I guess it's not false count anywhere, technically. So weird rules in ECW, right? Like, you know, they're doing, you know, tables and chairs and they're hitting each other with all with shit the audience brings. But a foot on the rope will break the pin. Well, you can't just have chaos. I agree. There has to be some sort of normalcy. Yeah, we got to, you know, this is is a sport after all. Um, by the way, where's Bill Alfonso? Is he not here to enforce the rules? What happened to him? Is he have that? I mean, that ultimately is like, you know, who cherry picks what matches Alfonso, <laughs> uh, refs, right? Mm-hmm. Was that the only match he ref that one, that one match? This, yes, he would pop back later. Right. But, but it's the, but it was the only, the, 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 the tag team match was the only one he did officially referee. Yes. Right. Well, he's not here in this match, so he doesn't, uh, so, so Shane Douglas, Put Sandman's foot on the rope, so it breaks up the pin. Jack is obviously irate, so he's yelling at Shane. Shane's on the floor. Jack's in the ring. He's yelling at him, so he's distracted. And while he's distracted, Sandman rises, grabs the Singapore cane, cane shot right to the penis, and Mm -hmm. pins Cactus Jack, retains the ECW title in a... uh, I guess a chaotic match would be the way to describe this one. <laughs> I kind of, I, I, I thought it was fun. It was fun to watch. I thought it yes. was a fun brawl. You know, mm-hmm. it was, you know, the, I, I won't remember it for by for any stretch <laughs> of the imagination. Yeah. You know, it's fine. But it was a fun brawl. I enjoyed it. It had some sense of cohesion to it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you know, milestones within the match. It's not like a, a rotten match where it's just like punch, 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 finish. You whoa, know? whoa, whoa! You're going too fast there, sport. <laughs> Dial it back a little. Jeez, (laughs) they're going to be gassed within the first 10 seconds if you go to that rhythm. They would be. They would be. But uh, yeah, it's a fun match there. But I know what you're thinking. You're like, not quite enough Sandman for me. So so he's here. So I was confused at this. So the match uh, ends and it just, you know, the 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 static cut, the cuts, Mm -hmm. cuts to this. And all of a sudden, Sandman's back up. He has a title on his shoulder. He has woman with him. Uh, and Shane Douglas is on the other corner. And my thought is like, is this the same night? 
or is this like a, a recap from a previous show or a future show or something? Um, actually, like I really, you know, Sherlock Holmes. This I like looked at what woman was wearing. You know, it was like a brown oh, yeah, yeah. dress. I and it took me a while to find the bandage on Sandman's head because of the because the of, shitty video quality. Yeah, the yes, the high quality video and the uh, the 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 the, the yeah. burning white lighting from the building too. <laughs> Um, and at no point, to, I guess it takes Joey Styles, unless I missed it, it takes him a while to confirm that this is the same night. Um, and at no point is it like, are they like establishing that, oh, Sandman, this is the second defense in one night, which you, you would think they'd want to do that because Shane Douglas is the heel here. From what I, because what, from what I understood afterwards, because yes, I agree with you, there was no real way to understand what the hell was going on. Shane Douglas was... Like this was set beforehand, he would face the winner of Sandman mm. Cactus Jack. So either either Mick Foley or, or Sandman were going to pull double duty right. on, on the night. Got you. And I don't know if it's this match or a previous match. I think it's actually the main event. There's a fuck Sabu chant. So I don't know if he like no showed or what the deal is. There happens it's not the first time actually that there's been fuck Sabu chants, but Poor guy gets his neck broken by Chris Benoit and nobody gives him any love. There's reasons. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's reasons. Um, but the backstory here, so it's it's a whole web of shit. So very well put. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> That's ex- no, but I, I couldn't put it better myself. It's a full, it's a whole web of shit. That could have been the whole podcast episode right there. <laughs> Show started, some shit happened. Good night, folks. Um so Sandman and Woman were together, and uh, at a previous show, Woman turned on Sandman to help Shane Douglas win the title or retain the title at that point. But then the next show, Woman turns on Shane Douglas to align with Sandman again. So it's a whole a whole elaborate plot, I guess. Um, so now I guess the purpose of this match maybe is so Shane Douglas can get his revenge on Sandman. Who knows? Who knows? But and the ECW World Championship. Right, yeah, the coveted ECW yes. World Championship. Um, so, uh, so since this is Sandman's second match, Douglas obviously has the advantage. So he gets in a lot of offense at the beginning. He's doing a lot of like springboardy kind of moves that you normally wouldn't see him do. Kind of just being flashy to be an asshole, I suppose. You know, taking advantage he's of wrestling Sandman's, is what he's doing. He's is trying he? to wrestle a match. Ah, uh, yes, the net, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, but then Shane. Shane does the old uh, Ric Flair flop over the top rope, runs the apron, uh, gets clotheslined by Sandman. And that allows Sandman to take advantage because now that they're fighting on the outside of the ring, that's kind of his uh, forte, I suppose. Um, And Sandman still, he's throwing his body at Shane, you know, jumping over the top rope with leg drops and all that shit. And now the bullshit starts. So Shane Douglas goes for a belly to belly on the Sandman. Sandman counters just great, you know, catches catch can rest on here. Sandman counters <laughs> into his own belly to belly goes for the pin. Shane Douglas gets his foot on the ropes, but here it all comes together. Cactus Jack is back out, knocks Shane Douglas, his foot off the rope. And, uh, is that, I think it's the pinfall right there. Yep. Right. That's yep. where the match, that's where the finish that's happens. That's where the match ended. Um, so I guess, Sandman retains, but then that's not the end of it because Bill Alfonso is back. 
There you go. He tries to basically snitch on Cactus Jack. Like, hey, he came out here. He knocked his foot off. He's stooging for Shane Douglas, I suppose. And um, Sandman, he's like, shut the hell up, you weasel. So he goes to hit Bill Alfonso. But Cactus Jack takes the bullet for some reason. I don't know why. I don't know why Cactus ran in to take the to, to take the kendo shot. I don't. Yeah, I was very confused by that. But then uh, then Shane Douglas rolls up Sandman. And this is why I was confused earlier. So Shane Douglas rolls up Sandman and Bill Alfonso makes the count. But and then he takes the belt, hands it to Shane Douglas. But then John Finnegan, the normal referee, yanks the title from Bill, gives it back to Sandman at this point. I don't know what the hell is going on. Who's champion? Who's that? But then that my confusion doesn't get resolved because as you know, Cactus Jack and Shane Douglas are staring each other down and fighting over who's the real champion here. Dean Malenko comes out, uh, chop blocks Cactus Jack in the back of the knee. And then Tommy Dreamer comes out, chases everybody off. And then out comes Raven and Steve Richards. And then Raven has this like, I don't know, this dome of some sort. It looked like a, uh, like what you put over a bonfire kind of deal. It's that I, it was I, like, I was trying to figure it out for myself. I was like, this is like a, a great to put over like a, an industrial size fan. You right. Know, probably, yes. probably the kind that they use in the ECW arena. So that, you know, cause there's no air conditioning or anything. <laughs> Raven's that, like, that, yeah. he's, he goes next to the fan. He goes, clip, 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 clip. And he <laughs> takes that. It's the weirdest thing to bring to the ring. Cause you're, because you're more like mesmerized. What does he have? I don't understand what he's ha- what he has in his yeah. hands right now. Yeah, it really was like, hey, Raven, go out there and attack Dreamer. Find a weapon. And Raven's like, yeah, <laughs> what? Raven's like, what, what kind of weapon? Paul Paul's like, I don't know. Pick anything up. <laughs> I can't carry the whole fan out there. I guess I'll just take the cage off of it. <laughs> oh, man. But so Raven comes out, attacks Dreamer with it. Gives them the DDT onto this metal object. And then I guess the segment's over now. I guess so. <laughs> what the I hell happened done. here? Very confusing. Um, lots of stuff going on. Um, I, I don't know. Sandman's still champion from what I can tell. Yes. Technically. Yes. Uh, and honestly, I thought, like, I, I really don't understand. Like, I don't understand why Tommy Dreamer interfered here. And we, we still wouldn't even be done with the Tommy Dreamer Raven stuff. But I think we could have yeah. done overall in the show. I think we could have done without it here because there was no necessary reason for Dreamer to get involved here. Right. On, on, when we head on to the main event, though, with the because of the ending and how everything wrapped up, then you sort of you get it a little more. Right. But here it didn't make any sense. And it's just... It, you know, ultimately you end up watching the show and it's like, well, is there such a thing as too much Tommy Dreamer Raven? And the answer is yes. <laughs> Turns out. Turns out. Uh, but the finish of the show, I think, makes it all worth it. Yes, I agree. Um, no, I, I thought, like, I, I, this was, you know, it was junk. Like, there's nothing that happened really interesting here, you know. The, the, it's yeah. just like, all right, let, let's do this, you know. When, you know, I'd put it above the rotten's match, you know, if you were to <laughs> yeah. ask me to to put these on a scale, but slightly but below the Hitman Tony Stetson, right? <laughs> Maybe a little <laughs> higher cuz this one had some heat to it, you know? But I mean there was like it it just it was a hodgepodge, it was confusing. Yeah, it was a little too much of everything. It was classic ECW. Yeah. For sure. Mm-hmm. 
Um, but man, the chaos. Did you know that on this on this card too, Eddie Guerrero also d- pulled double duty. So I saw that on the card because I went to cage match. I usually go to cage match and I sure. copy paste the card and you know, do my notes under that. And I'm glad you brought that up because there was an. I guess I could, did it occur. It just wasn't a part of the uh, VHS or whatever. Yeah, I guess. Eddie Guerrero versus Marty Jannetty. Beat him in six minutes. Okay, well, you know. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking that Paul just didn't want to pay Jannetty. <laughs> well, Marty Jannetty, yeah, it could be true for this show, but Marty Jannetty actually was in a uh, world title match a few shows ago against Shane Douglas, and that was actually a very good match. Like oh, You okay. wouldn't think from seeing the, the characters involved, but it was the best match probably of either guy that I've ever seen. Well, here's the thing. Like, Shane Douglas, I think has always been a very good professional wrestler. Mm-hmm. I think he, there's a lot of circumstances that, in that cause that he, we, I don't think we've ever really seen just how really good he could be, but he was like, the guy was tight. The guy was crisp. Yeah. He knew what he was doing. He was a, you know, he was a wrestler. He was a professional wrestler. I think there are circumstances that kept him down. I do believe everything he says about Ric Flair. I've all, I always mm-hmm. have. Uh, I'm totally convinced that Ric Flair saw danger in Shane Douglas and saw his spot in danger and decided to keep him down because mm-hmm. Douglas was a hell of a worker and a hell of a promo. A very good promo, yes. So, you know, Rick getting up there in age in the 90s, right, can't exactly work as nimbly as he could. Mm-hmm. His only saving grace was the name Ric Flair and his promo skills. And you get another blonde guy, you know, big heavyweight 230, 240 pounder, you know, mm-hmm. uh, who can cut promos and can zoom around the ring on top of that. Yeah, if I'm Ric Flair, I'm a little worried. I'm a right. little worried. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then the, you have in WWF, you have the click, you know. Who knows what happened there, but we've all, all heard the stories of the click keeping him down. And that's the thing is like, sh- I'm convinced that Shane got in the way of Shane, you know, right. like he he comes across as that kind of, he has that type of personality where he probably knows a lot, you know, and that's what a lot of people thought the Dean Douglas gimmick was from, right? It's like, uh-huh. oh, look at this know-it-all. Look at this guy who thinks he knows it all. And then Vince is like, all right, well, you're the genius. You're a dean, you know? And then he's stuck with this shit gimmick. Yeah. You know? Kind of yeah. like with Terry Taylor and the Red Roosters. Like, you know, he's the cock of the walk. He thinks he's the cock of the walk. Well, we'll turn him into a rooster. <laughs> is that the backstory? That's hilarious. Apparently, that, it's the rumor, right? That I'm going to believe it for the rest of my life, so. <laughs> but my, you know, when it comes to Shane Douglas... My favorite work of his is uh, in TNA as a uh, backstage interviewer. Oh, fantastic, right? He would, every he time fantastic. It, it would cut to him, he would do this. Ho, ho, all right. So we're here. Like, he would always make some weird noise before all of his interviews. And then he would be like, really like, like his facials reacting to everything. It was so over the top. But it's like. Yeah, but so, you're right. Yeah. He'd always be like, ho, all right, all right. Ho, ho, like, all right. Oh. <laughs> Shane, Shane, are you, are you? Are you okay? <laughs> You're working, Shane, right now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, that brings us to the main event. The ECW Tag Team Titles on the line. In a double dog collar match, we have the Public Enemy versus the Pitbulls. This is just the quintessential ECW Tag Team match. Um, and when I, when I think of a 
a dog collar match for a tag team match. In my head, I have like one set of chain for like all four guys. But, you know, I guess maybe not the most ergonomic way to do it. But no, maybe no. more entertaining. Who knows? Um, just them all getting tangled and choking each other. You know, there's probably a, a certain level of danger, extra danger that accompanies. That's ECW. Like We're in the ECW arena. Yeah, OK, right, Kill all the queers, right? So as we were, yes, as we were instructed by the guy in the front row. Yeah, <laughs> God, that's right? a bad soundbite to have by me. But um, <laughs> <laughs> earlier talking about the homosexuals being everywhere in Philadelphia. Right. Outside of Philadelphia. Everybody has a sign that that somebody had back then, not me. <laughs> um, I was two years old at this point. Yeah, exactly. But uh, yeah, it's a double dog collar match. It's exactly what you would expect from the public enemy and the pit bulls. Lots of, uh, lots of chain chokes, lots of frying pans and chairs and tables. A- anything in particular stick out to you in this match? Yes. Um, the, uh, I think it's Johnny grunge or is it anyway, look, it's one of the two who clasps some jumper cables that someone in the audience brought <laughs> yes. and clasps the jumper cables on Pitbull's Pitbull 2's taint. Uh-huh. And Joey Styles completely no sells it. Right. Like completely no sells it. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I don't Yeah. It, I don't know. I don't know the logistics of how, what that was supposed to do, but because I like looked away for a second and I looked back and there was cables in the ring and because Joey Styles, like you said, didn't mention it. I was like, what the hell? Completely no salt. But that was from the audience. It's, you know, that that's, you know, the, the ECW crowd would bring shit. You know, that's why they had a toy dinosaur at some point, because someone mm-hmm. in the audience had a toy dinosaur. Yes. Um, I also like the I like one of the things that I that I really, really enjoyed when, when they were able to really pull it off well, and I don't think they pulled it off as well here as they usually do, is the is the camera chaos in ECW in these tag team matches when you'd have two people on one in, in one end of the arena, mm-hmm. then you'd have like, you know, uh, Flyboy and Pitbull 2 like under, uh, under a ledge, you know, on a little soundstage or whatever yeah, fighting. Yeah. And then you'd have... No, there's shit going on over here. And then the camera would cut back there and there'd always be stuff going on. Like I remember a really fun. Yeah. And I think it's probably even, I think it's at the next pay-per-view at November to remember probably where uh, it's um, uh, Tommy Dreamer and Luna versus Raven and Stevie Richards. Mm-hmm. And that was wild. And that I that's one of these matches that encapsulates the the the, the crazy chaotic production Right. was actually in favor of adding to the wildness of the match that was going on because there was there's just stuff going on all the time and yeah you know you don't want to miss it you don't want to miss this you don't want to miss this but everything's happening at once and it was really cool um so that kind of stuff happened here at the same time yeah. but yeah it definitely worked but um it, not quite as smoothly, but, mm-hmm. you know, at some point I was like, oh, yes, yes. Give me the camera cuts jumping from one person to one one set of action to the other set. And, you know, feeling like you're missing out on what's happening on the other side. And I like that. That's yeah. that's a, a cool ECW signature to me. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And like, I mean, there's just so much like chaotic is definitely the word for it. There's mm-hmm. one point. where Pitbull 2. He gets a uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, Rock, Rock or Rock. He gets a kitchen roller. I guess how you call it when you roll the dough mm-hmm. from the crowd. Uh, hits Pitbull 2 with it. Pitbull 2 just no-sells it completely. 
takes a chair, bashes Rock with it, but they're fighting like by the barricade. So he hits Rock with this chair and the chair just gets let go. And who knows who that hit or what? Um, I guess yep. it's, you know, you just had Ian and Axel Rotten, you know, spilling blood all everybody's shoes. So like what's an Aaron chair shot? <laughs> that's, what, that's what that's what we come for. Um, <laughs> it's part of the point. experience. <laughs> Uh, speaking of part of the experience, so are his concussions because at one point Johnny Grunge. So he has, I think it's Pitbull number one set up on a table on the outside of the ring. Johnny Grunge goes for like a Vader bomb off the ropes, but the way he lands, he lands like so his lower body hits the table. So his upper body just like fulcrums and his yep. head hits the concrete. Um, it wasn't pretty. It was not pretty, I guess, you know, maybe effective. Who knows? Um, but the, the, God, this one spot here. So there's a spot where a, a table. First of all, how many goddamn tables do they have in this arena? It felt like they were using like, they used like twenty tables in this match. Hey, yeah, they've ha- they have stacks of them. You know, apparently whatever. that's where all the budget. That's where all the checks yeah, exactly. go to. Um, so there's a table set up on the top rope, so it's flat. You know, in the corner, Pitbull two sets it up there. He brings Rocco Rock. These are two big ass men standing on top of this table that is teetering on the top rope and they don't just do, fall off of it. Pitbull number two does a scoops, a full on scoop slam mm-hmm. on the Rocco rock off the top of this table that somehow manages to stay there, you know, at least until they flew off and everyone was fine. <laughs> somehow, importantly, somehow, somehow, um, got some fuck Sabu chance, of course. Uh, and like you said, there's a point where they're fighting, it's Rocco Rock and Pitbull 2 are fighting in that, you know, the sound area where that ledge is. And uh, there's a point where Rock, I believe, he gets to the top of the ledge and Pitbull number two yanks the chain. Ugh. Was puts him through the table. Yeah, they, they actually, I think they fucked it up because the first time they tried it, the table kind of like toppled off the ledge. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then they, they did and the then spot. they went back. Yeah. But then like Rock did, I like, had to do like a senton to like perform offense. So he would land on the Pitbull and then they did it again. And then Rock went through the table this time. Uh, but towards the end, uh, Rocco Rock gets hit with the super bomb by the Pitbulls. Uh, but Johnny Grunge is in there to break it up. And it's at this point where or Steve Richards is back, comes out to help the Pitbulls because the Pitbulls are kind of in that stable with Raven and Richards. So, so everybody's holding up Grunge. The Pitbulls try to take the chain and clothesline them, but ends up sending uh who this is this is send Steve Richards through a table. Is that what happens? I think so. Sounds like a thing that would happen. I think so. Yes. Um, and then uh, Pitbull number two picks up Rock for a power slam. But Johnny Grunge just lion salts himself, lands on his head, but also hits Pitbull number two, <laughs> I suppose. That's like a theme here. Like all the offense in this show, like almost lands or it lands, but like it. Does damage to too everybody mu- yes. involved. <laughs> <laughs> too much, uh, too, too much damage to the guy who's trying to perform the move. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so we got another wonky finish here. So it's like hard to explain with words. So I guess Pitbull number one superplexes Johnny Grunge. Pitbull number two tries to back suplex Rock or Rock, but Rock counters it into a cross body. So there's a double pin here and a double three count. So both teams think they won, 
but the, the ring announcer announces that the public enemy retained. I don't know if it's because it was a draw and they retain or if they just got the pin first. They didn't really make that clear. I don't think they were interested in that. Um, and there's a lot of aftermath to follow. But as far as this match itself, what do you think of it? Um, you know, it was I, I'm torn because on one hand, I think that the wild spots are just wild enough to to be like, yeah, this is a lot of fun. But yeah. I don't know. It, it feels like it took a long time to get to those wild spots. You know, I've said it once and I'll say it again. I think that Paul Heyman's greatest grift is convincing us all that the public enemy was a good tag team. You don't like the public enemy? No. No, 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 right? Yeah, well, I mean, that, right? And I think that's part of the grift. Because <laughs> otherwise, because every, the, the public enemy were not, were not, very, we're not good wrestlers. How dare you? I mean, you said it yourself. Like you know, at some point, the uh, rock or rock lines on his head, trying to perform a move, and it would not translate in WCW. No. Not translate in WWF. But then, then again, in WWF, they had to deal with the Dudleys. That's a whole other nine yards. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, to uh, most overrated tag team of all time, Ooh. in your boy's opinion, is the Public Enemy. Um, but take, I mean, sir. I mean, that's that's what I think the magic of Paul Heyman was back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it making was, us believe. <laughs> yeah, it was a constant theme of people seeming like big deals in ECW, but once they go elsewhere, I mean, with the invasion and WWF, mm-hmm. uh, all of, all of a sudden, Tommy Dreamer is a background guy. You know, Sandman gets there; he's fighting Carlito on a B pay per view. It's um, yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. And a lot but, of uh, these guys ended up in WCW and couldn't pull it off as well. You know, it's like, right? Yeah, no. Uh, there's, um, I'm, I'll tell. The Public Enemy is never is never. It's always one of my go tos. I really, it's one of Paul Heyman. It's probably Paul Heyman's greatest grift of all time. Right. Yeah. 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 I can agree with that. But uh, so the Public Enemy win, and I guess the stipulation is that since the Public Enemy won. They get five minutes alone with Steve Richards in the ring. But the public enemy have just gone through this grueling match. So they're both laid out. Steve, obviously fresh as a daisy in his Daisy Dukes. Uh, You brought it up earlier, but he uh, he has a toy dinosaur. So he's beaten on the public enemy with a toy dinosaur. Um, But eventually the public enemy, it's two of them. They eventually fight back. They take control. But then Raven comes out and interferes and then the pit bulls come back. It's like, what's the point of the stipulation if anybody can just <laughs> interfere? And, and Where's Bill Alfonso when you need him? Yes, we need more bow ties. That's what we need. <laughs> but uh, so everybody's holding up public enemy one by one as Steve Richards does the old HPK pose and hits them both with super kicks. Um, but then Tommy Dreamer's back out here. Feels like I've said that like a thousand times on this show because he keeps just interfering in everything. Tommy Dreamer comes back out. He hits Richards in the back with a chair. Raven and Dreamer go at it. Richards gets back up and clocks Dreamer in the back with that chair. Raven grabs the chair and continues to beat on Tommy Dreamer. And then this is the point where Beulah McGillicuddy comes out to join in on the beatdown. Then out comes Luna Vachon. Mm-hmm. Wow. And... This is fresh off the heels, at least of watching this, of that Dark Side of the Ring episode. I don't, right. I don't know if you caught that one, mm-hmm. but uh, they brought this up and how Luna 
like when she got to ECW, it was almost like she felt like she belonged there. And you could tell, I mean, she she debuts here, joins with Tommy Dreamer. The crowd is on fire. They love it. They embrace her immediately. Instantly. They know who she is. Yeah. And they pop huge for her. Right. Big, big, big reaction. Like when she hits the ring and people are like, holy shit, this is Luna. Everyone is up on their feet and they love it. Yes, she was welcome. She was welcomed. Yeah, arguably the biggest pop of the night with Luna coming sure. in there. I'd be absolutely. Yep. Uh, so she's there to even the odds. She teams up with Dreamer and they run everybody off. Tommy Dreamer pile drives Beulah uh, just like he did on the previous show. Man, mm-hmm. Beulah McGillicuddy could take a goddamn pile driver. I'll, I'll say that. <laughs> yeah, it's good for her. Uh, that's when, you know, the start of a beautiful marriage between those two, I suppose. <laughs> Everything has to start somewhere. You know? Yep. Yep. Um, but uh, so Luna, everything is so Beulah's dead carcass is on the mat. Tommy Dreamer and Luna are standing over. And then Tommy and Luna Vashon make out over Beulah's body. <laughs> and that's an element I didn't expect. That caught me a little off guard. But yeah, it's expecting that either. It's, it's, I was not expecting that. And they make out like they go right for it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's not like a little peck on the cheek. It's not a sensual little kiss. It's like, it's, look, it's it's not the um um. It's, no, it's full on. No. They're like full um, on. Like if if this if this arena was empty right now, <laughs> kind of kissing. I don't think they would. That would stop them. But <laughs> so yeah, that happens. ECW chance, and that's how the show ends. So it ends on a pretty damn high note. Yeah, I would say. Um, yeah. Any other, any other thoughts on that little last bit there? No, I, I think the whole Luna thing, especially in the context of the dark side of the ring where we're, we, you know, when we're watching, when we're recording right now, you know, the episode has yeah. been out for a couple of weeks. And if you've watched it, you know, especially in that context, I wasn't expecting it. Like I said, I, I never, I've never watched this show before. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know what I was expecting and seeing her come out. It just, you know, it, it gave all of the good feels and, yeah. uh, and it really did end on a fantastic note. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know what else, uh, what else to add, but it was a high, high note to end the pay-per-view sending the crowd home happy for reals. For sure. Yeah. It gives Luna Vashon and, uh, an opportunity to show what she's really made of. No longer is she just the, uh, was the main squeeze of Bam Bam Bigelow or whatever. Now she, and she has like cage matches, right? In ECW. And like you said, she has matches with the men mm-hmm. and main events. So, Good shit there. And uh, but yeah, that brings the show Enter the Sandman to a close. Any other final thoughts on this uh, wonder, wonderful wrestling match? We you just know, witnessed? not a bad show. Like I was, you know, I enjoyed it overall. Yeah. I'd say there's more there's more positives than negatives here. Uh, you know, nothing necessarily, again, that I'll probably remember. You know, Malenko and Guerrero is match of the night unquestionably. And, you know, if you want to. If you want to watch the show, if only for that match, I think I think it's fine. It's a 30 minute draw that they edited down to about 12, 15 minutes. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's a shame you don't get to see the whole match, but it's what they what they do provide with is super good. Seeing two guys, you know, legendary at the time and they're prime like, you know, the the American North American workhorses, the guys who are uh, who are you know bringing back pro wrestling to pro wrestling to a certain yep. degree. Right. Uh, just absolutely fantastic work. Uh, and this is, I think you, I think you said it during, as we were reviewing everything, this is 
ECW. This is an ECW time capsule right here. Mm -hmm. Everything that's good and not so great about ECW is right here. From the fantastic four-star matches to the blood to the shitty production values <laughs> to the to the awesome chaos. You know, it's like yeah. everything is here. For sure. Yeah. It's if nothing else, it was, it was a fun show to watch. Yeah. You know. Easy, easy. You know, like a breeze to watch, yeah. an easy watch. It's about just a little over two hours. Yeah. You know, yeah. if you've got some time to kill, absolutely. But it's not like rush out and watch it kind of thing. It's, you know, I, I wouldn't go as far as to recommend that. Right. <laughs> well, if you have even more time to kill, I'd recommend checking out the Mr. Warren Hayes show. Oh, God, I hope you have some time to kill if you want to do that. <laughs> Yeah, where can everybody, uh, first of all, thank you so much for uh, making the time to uh, check out the show. Come on and talk about it. Um, thank you for having me, man. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. Absolutely. But where can everybody find you and listen to you? Uh, well, YouTube.com slash Mr. Warren Hayes is where I record the Mr. Warren Hayes show every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern, 6 Pacific, right there on the, uh, on the uh, YouTube channel. Of course, the, the, the podcast is available on demand after and on podcast the podcast application of your preference. So you can go check those out as well. And you can also follow me on Twitter at uh, Mr. Warren Hayes. And uh, also all the interviews and other stuff that I do over at belltobells.com. If you want to keep abreast of everything that's going on in the world of women's wrestling, belltobells.com. Hell yeah. And you were on the board for the PWI uh, 150, right? Yes, on yes, on the committee, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. I actually just listened to your uh, your smacking it raw, your Pornhub debut. My Pornhub debut, yes. <laughs> Kristen, my yeah, shout out to Kristen Ashley, editor in chief of Belt of Bells, and also editor in chief of my heart. Uh, she uh, she was very excited about my Pornhub debut. <laughs> yeah, you know, you gotta plant your seeds, so to speak, in so, different places, so to speak. <laughs> <laughs> Once again. Thank you to Warren Hayes for planting his seed in my podcast and birthing a beautiful, beautiful episode. Such a great time with War Dog here. Go check him out. The Mr. Warren Hayes Show podcast. You can find it on YouTube as well as anywhere you listen to podcasts. Also check out Bell to Bells as well for women's wrestling news and interviews. And uh, check him out on Twitter and Instagram. Pornhub, you know, all the places where you can find Warren. Check me out as well. Also on Pornhub. It's not actually a joke. Me, me and Warren both are on uh, Pornhub. I don't know how. Um, I don't know what that does to your genitals, but uh, if nothing else, it is a fact. I'm not lying. So you can't sue me for slander on that. You can find us both on the same site where you can find uh, people pissing on each other and stuff. So um yeah, but probably listen to our podcasts um, instead. I mean, unless you like getting pissed on. I mean, I'm not going to, you know, I don't like getting pissed on. But if you do, like, I'm, I'm cool with it. Um, <clears throat> do all right. Uh, Apronbump.com for all my uh, full episodes. Find me on YouTube as well. Make sure to check out the video versions of these episodes as well. Give them a like. Check out the clips. I'm posting clips on the YouTubes. Man, what else? What else do you want from me, huh? I don't know why I'm yelling. I have no reason to yell at you. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, baby. Um, I don't know how to end episodes sometimes. Um, <clears throat> thank you guys once again 
for listening. I love you all. Got some good episodes coming in the next few weeks, so go check that out as well. Or, well, I guess you can't yet until I release them. But, like, when they when they do come out, subscribe so you don't miss them. I mean, unless you're listening to this, like, in the future, then I guess you can check out those episodes. <clears throat> All right. That's about enough for Daddy here. Uh, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. Smooches, smooches all over. I'm hard. Yeah.